Welcome to Breaking Paradigms, a podcast where we talk about global perspectives on spatial planning in practice and theory, by Constance Frech and Sarah Kouchi. Hi, everyone. This episode is a little different than our others. Due to the COVID-19 epidemic, we both stay at home and have our regular meetings via Skype. So we thought we could invite you to one of our meetings. Welcome. And this week we wanted to also reflect a bit on the past two episodes that we did on gender planning. Thank you to everyone who sent us a message and uh, please keep them coming. It was very interesting to start a conversation with you to have more in-depth conversations on the topic of gender planning, which both of us really think uh, is an important topic. And we also wanted to create that space. Additionally, we wanted to just share a bit what our lessons learned from these two episodes are and uh, take you with us on our journey. If you want to write us a comment or send us an email, you find all our contacts on our website and you can also find us on most social media. Right. Uh, what I learned a lot from the last two episodes was that there are, I would say, two definitions of gender planning. The first is that gender planning is not just planning for women, but planning for everyone in an inclusive way. So um, it's not about um, reinforcing stereotypes and plan for uh, the needs of a classic woman, um, but create a city that is inclusive and livable for as many groups as possible, because we are not only our gender or our sex, we are a lot more, and everyone has specific needs, which is, of course, connected to our gender mostly, or in many ways, but not only. Some planners who think of gender planning uh, use it as a term of inclusive planning and diversity management. The second definition is specifically the approach of planning for women and women's needs. Uh, this is also necessary because when you look at cities, how they are planned today or were planned in former days, they are normally designed for the needs of healthy men and their needs and their specific um, wishes to the public space, um, which is uh, sometimes a lot different from what women need in the in the public space. Uh, and so the second approach of gender planning is specifically to tackle those issues and not create a city against men, but create a city which is inclusive and um, designed also for the needs for, of women so they can move freely and secure within the public space. So those were the two, dif the two um, different uh, definitions we learned. And I think both definitions are right and important in their way. Um, it's maybe a little too short sighted if you just 
say gender planning is just inclu uh, inclusive planning and trust planning, trust planning for everyone. But on the other hand, it's not only planning for women in most um, cases. So I think both very, both is very important. And I think that both of them also tackle this issue of um, how do we name things and how do we communicate also what kind of planning we are doing. One of the reasons that on this podcast we also very often talk about definitions is that both of us see a really big need on um, how do we talk about planning and why do we communicate using certain phrases. And so it's very interesting that with the interview partners that we had, there was also a bit of a diversity of opinion in regards to what gender planning actually refers to. While, for example, everyone was quite, um, quite at the same place when it came to which aspects of planning are gendered. For example, the answer for almost all of our interview partners was all aspects are gendered. And so even though in practice and on the on the on the practical floor, it uh, looks very similar. I think it's also very often that in the theoretical aspects, we we're we're mincing words and we're we're trying to find the most precise way to talk about something. And therefore, we also create these kind of mixed um, mixed definitions where a lot of people are then maybe confused and think okay so uh if gender planning is just planning for women does that mean that we're not planning for anyone else whilst the reality of actual planning is never that that you you plan for just a tiny group of people simply because usually when we talk about spatial planning we plan for a wider public and therefore we need to consider the needs of many people and I think both of those uh, definitions whether it's more this inclusive approach or this very specific gender focus um, both of them bring to the table that we need to address diversity and we need to address discrimination also in a systemic way within spatial planning. Uh, yeah I agree on that a lot because I, I think you made a good point with the with the inclusion that it should be like that it's there either way whether you focus just on gender or uh, you focus on a broader spectrum um but yeah i'm 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 always um a bit reluctant when it comes to mixing mixing in um a lot of different uh groups into one pot um but yeah that's on the uh, aside of everything else. And then when we talk about which other lessons we learned uh, about gender planning from the past two episodes, for me, it really focused on three key aspects. The first one was that when we talk about gender planning, we always talk a process about a process-oriented um, systemic approach, that it's never just uh, building a very specific thing, but to really think gender into every aspect of the process from beginning to end, from preconception to evaluation, and that it should always have a role um, in the way we plan our cities, our spaces. Um, so 
the the principles of gender mainstreaming should always be present and then the second aspect that has less to do with the the process at large and more with the specific actions is that within participation we should always make sure that that the people who are represented in our community are also represented in our participation processes of course not every planning process has a participation process um, I think that's a whole other conversation to be had, but that if we have participation, that we need to make sure that um, women, men and other diverse groups just have a seat at the table. I really appreciated the input that we had within the last episode that um, explained that in, in some projects, um, there were specific spaces created for women to voice their opinions because um, depending also on the cultural background and depending on uh, on the local situation, either because of time restrictions or because of um, other barriers, it can be more difficult for women to participate and then to find ways to give um, everyone a voice. I think that is a, a key aspect to look um, in a maybe in a round table discussion, if that's your participatory approach, are there actually like the members of your your community represented or does it look very one dimensional? And then the third point, and that kind of is connected actually with participation uh, aspect as well, is that we need de-aggregated data and the data is a key to understanding our communities, how they work. And I think that that is a tricky question in general, because how do you de-aggregate data? We talked a bit about it in our episode on the data gap, that also the question of which kind of data do we collect in the first place um, makes a huge difference to what we can know. So if we're not asking the right questions, we're also not going to get these answers. So in conclusion, to really find a way to, to create positive inclusion and create an environment where gender planning can be possible, it's really important to also ask the right questions uh, in terms of getting also data, creating an, an inclusive process and participation opportunities. Many of you ask us for specific examples to get a better picture of what gender planning actually means. It's true that one can learn a lot from good practices. But on the other hand, not every example works somewhere else. And copy-pasting and one-size-fits-all solutions are not possible in urban planning or in spatial planning in general. To give you one example, which is not gender planning, but a very technical, was um, a big company in Brazil, which is owned by Swiss, uh, built a new factory in Brazil. And since it's a Swiss company, they ask Swiss architects. And as Swiss architects are used to, they uh, plan all the shading against South, because this is what you need in Europe. And they started building that and nobody uh, would ever ask if these plans would be all right because they were renowned Swiss architects. And when the building was finished, they realized that shading in the South 
is not very helpful in Brazil where the sun comes from north. So this is just a little anecdote which shows that the best plans and the best projects could be the worst when you put it somewhere in the wrong place. And I think this is the same for good practice uh, examples uh, in general planning. Um, women in India have different needs than women in Austria. And people with special needs in the US might have different needs than people in China. So you can learn from best practice examples, but you should always take in consideration where do you put the project and what are what is the context the project is built in or designed in. Yeah, that's why we are not giving any best practice examples. And I think that uh, kind of concludes a bit for us to, this episode. Um, thank you very much for listening to us and for uh, giving us your time. We hope you enjoyed the conversation we were having and please let us know in the comments below what the lessons learned are for you from the last episode, from this episode or from um, gender planning in general that stuck out to you. And we'll see you um, in our next episode, or rather, hear you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This was Breaking Paradigms by Constanze Frey and Sarah Couchier. Be part of the conversation. If you like what we do, consider supporting us and join our Patreon community. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and at breakingparadigms.org. Content and editing by Constance Fe and Sarah Couchet. Sound design by Didac Barroso and Florian Frey.